Now it's time for your feature reports. It's the second Thursday in February, so that means it's time for our podcast, Prescription for Healthcare, a deep dive into healthcare issues hosted by Rob Stone and Karen Greenstone. Today's programme is part two of their interview with T.R. Reid. T.R. Reid, a longtime correspondent for the Washington Post and chairman of the Colorado Foundation for Universal Healthcare. Prescription for Healthcare is available online at wfhb.org and wherever you receive your podcasts. From Bloomington, Indiana, this is Prescription for Healthcare on WFHB Community Radio. This is Karen Greenstone and Dr. Rob Stone. Hello. Today we're featuring part two of our discussion with T.R. Reed, longtime foreign correspondent for the Washington Post and author of many best-selling books, including The Healing of America, A Global Quest for Better, Cheaper, and Fairer Healthcare, and a PBS frontline documentary, Sick Around the World. TR is chairman of the Colorado Foundation for Universal Healthcare, the statewide citizens campaign working for universal healthcare coverage, and is chairman of the board of the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless. Will you talk about what steps the U.S. can take to transition so that we we get ourselves out of this mess? What's your prescription for health care, TR? As you said, I'm chairman of the Colorado Foundation for Universal Healthcare, and this is one of many organizations around the country that has been agitating to get everybody into a healthcare system. Our foundation believes, and many people believe, that Medicare or some kind of government-run uh, insurance plan would be would be the best, most efficient, and cheapest way to get everybody covered. But you know what? I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the opposition to it is too great. And so we need to find other ways to get to universal coverage. And I will say that during his campaign, President-elect Joe Biden had had some decent ideas that will work in the first place. He's proposed to lower the age of Medicare, that is the government health insurance uh, system, from 65 to 60. This is a very good idea. It would be good for seniors age 60. It would be good for Medicare because you get more people paying the premium who don't go to the doctor as often. And I think that change actually could get through Congress because the insurers wouldn't fight it too much. The insurers have enormous political clout in the United States. But they don't want to cover 63-year-olds, 64-year-olds. So I think they would go along with reducing the age of Medicare. I think that one could work. And then Biden's other plan, the one that would, I think, quickly get everybody covered, is what's called the public option. That is, in addition to private insurance from Humana or United Healthcare or Aetna or Cigna, there would be a government-run health insurance plan that people could choose. They could choose either the private insurer or the government plan. I think this is a good idea because if that public option were designed like Medicare, that is, if it had similar rules to Medicare, the fact is Medicare is just much better insurance than almost anybody has on a private insurance plan. All the private insurance plans, as I said earlier, they all have what they call a narrow network. That is, they dictate which doctor you can go to, which hospital, which chiropractor. Medicare covers everybody, all doctors, all hospitals, all chiropractors, all labs. And so you have much greater choice. Now, it's true that there are a few doctors 
who say they won't take Medicare patients, but it's a very small number. About 96% of American doctors do take Medicare, and 99% of American hospitals take Medicare. They need that business, so they take it. And Medicare is cheaper. I mean, the, the, the basic premium on Medicare is $145 for a person. That's 300 bucks for a couple for, for darn good insurance. And that's much cheaper. Here in Colorado, where I live, we were just looking for health insurance for a couple. The cheapest we could find was $600 a month, twice as much, with a $5,000 deductible. And so Medicare is just much better. And if the public option sort of mimics Medicare's rules, then many, many people, just about everybody, will join it. And I think employers will urge their employees to join it because it'll save employers a lot of money too. So I think this Biden plan, if he could get it through Congress, would fairly quickly lead to just about universal coverage in the United States. It would also probably take away a hell of a lot of business from the private insurers, and therefore they're going to fight it like mad in Congress. Well, one could only hope. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it might happen. In the introduction to your book, you talked about the moral choice that countries with universal health care have made compared to the United States. Could you please discuss this? Yeah. When I was writing that book, I went around the world to visit mostly other countries like us, advanced high-tech free market democracies. And all the other advanced democracies in the world provide health care for everybody. And I would ask them, I would ask prime ministers and health ministers and economists and doctors, why do you provide health care for everybody? Why do you do that? And the first answer I got most of the time was, why don't you? Why would the United States not do that? But if you pursue it a little bit and I ask them, why do you do it? Well, it provides better health care. You get better health outcomes from it. It's cheaper than a crazy quilt fragmented system like we have. But the main reason people told me was they feel a moral imperative. In the Christian countries, they said we are obliged to care for the least of our brethren. And if we don't do it when they're sick, we're not meeting our basic obligation. But even in the non-Christian countries, in, in South Korea, in Japan, Malaysia, people said to me, well, gee, we have a moral obligation to care for others. And when they're sick, that's when we really want to care for them. So other countries see providing health care for everybody as a moral imperative. Of course, we're going to do that. It's the right thing to do. For some reason, Americans have never accepted that moral obligation. We've never had universal health care. And as a matter of fact, now in the fourth year of President Trump, we have more people without insurance than when he took office because the the government just felt no obligation to get more people into insurance. So I think this is how we're eventually going to win this fight, because Americans are decent people. Americans do want to help their neighbors when they're sick or injured. And if they, when Americans come to know how cruel our system is and how it leaves all these people, tens of millions of people without care, They'll fix it because we'll do the right thing. You know, I go around the country speaking about this, and I always say we have tens of millions of people without health insurance. According to the National Academy of Sciences, about 22,000 Americans die every year of treatable diseases because they couldn't see a doctor and get the treatment that would have saved them. And when I say that, 
a very common response is, no, no, that couldn't be true. No, no, your numbers are crap. Couldn't be right because we wouldn't allow that in the United States. Well, the fact is we do allow it in the United States every day of the year. People die of treatable diseases because they couldn't get to the doctor. And I think as Americans come to realize that, we too will feel the moral obligation to care for the least of our brethren when they're sick. I Mm. certainly hope so, because I think that for a lot of people, until they come face to face with the system or non-system that we have in the United States, they don't understand what it's like. Yeah. Well, I think that's right. And I think the awareness is changing. And in, in, in the year 2000, if you asked, does the U.S. have the best healthcare system in the world? About 70 to 80 percent of Americans said, yeah, yeah, best healthcare in the world. Uh, today, when the Pew Trust asked that question, the number of people who think we have the best healthcare is in the 30s. More than 60 percent of Americans know we don't have the best healthcare in the world, despite our wealth and our power and our innovation and our fabulous medical schools. And and as people come to realize that we've failed in this area, or at least we haven't lived up to what we could be in this area, I think we're going to fix it. And I believe that's one of the reasons Joe Biden won the election, because he promised to fix it. And let's see if he can. I sure right. hope so. Well, TR, thank you so much for talking with us today. Be well and be safe. Thank you, doctors. Thanks for having me on your air. Appreciate it. This is Karen Greenstone. And Dr. Robstone. To your good health, everyone.